Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by Jack Kane Ford. Find your next Ford Tough vehicle at KaneFord.com. Woodhill Community Center. Have a hand in the heart of the city. Support their mission with your donations at WoodhillCommunityCenter.org. Toyota in Nicholasville Superstore. Online consultants are standing by right now to help you find your next Toyota. Visit ToyotaOnNicholasville.com. Lexus of Lexington. Home of the best-selling Lexus IS. Find yours today at LexusOfLexington.com. Introducing the redesigned CatholicSingles.com, featuring new ways that put the spotlight on the person and their faith, not just a profile picture. For the past 20 years, faithful Catholics have used CatholicSingles.com, and the reimagined CatholicSingles.com website is ready to help single Catholics take the next step in sharing meaningful relationships with other faithful Catholics. Remember, CatholicSingles.com, for faith, fellowship, and love. Chicken in on finesse. Willing the good The NFL is back in full swing, but the Bears are lurking and i'm not talking about the football team hey everybody welcome to this week's edition of chuck and ann on finance brought to you by iie financial iie financial willing the good of another visit us online at ieefinancial.com or call the offices at 832-953-4998 that's 832-953-4998 good morning good afternoon good evening wherever you might happen to be in the world today you know, that's the beauty of a podcast. You could, you know, today happens to be September the 10th. Uh, however, you could be listening to this thing on December the 17th of 2019. And it could be whatever it is out there for you, which is the, you know, kind of the fun part about a podcast. So I try to do my best to keep it uh, fairly evergreen in case you're listening to us a year later. But, you know, if you if you if I could go back and you listen to this a year later and but I was really broadcasting in the future. It would be like like a crystal ball. I don't know. I'm overthinking things. I'm overthinking things. So it is a Monday uh, Monday morning, bright and early. I live in Houston, Texas. So people are like, "Oh, yay! It's fall. Break out the pumpkin spice." And I'm like, "Seriously, seriously, it's 96 degrees here at six o'clock in the morning." I uh, I don't think that we're we're ready to break out the pumpkin spice. Fall's not exactly you know it doesn't have that same feel of fall in the air but yesterday was the first day of nfl football and yeah there was a game on thursday and i went and met uh with a couple of guys from our church and we watched the game on thursday evening but yesterday was the real first day of football and for anybody that knows i am a Steeler fan right i i'm from pittsburgh i'm a pittsburgh guy and we didn't win against the browns we didn't win we had six turnovers against the browns um and we didn't win but we didn't lose. How is it that you don't win, but you don't lose? You tie. That's right. We tied the Cleveland Browns. It was a sad day here in the Fulkerson household. Um, you know, it's uh, it's the beginning of the beginning of the new year. 
for football and we're already losing to the Browns. A, a tie to me, uh, to me, a tie to the Browns is the same as a loss. They go down the same. So that's uh, that was that was the way I started it off. But a lot of people started off with a with a much, much better uh, setup and a much better uh, season. Uh, Packers fans, Patriots fans, you know, the ones that always seem to start off with a much better season. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about the markets um you know we we have come back we last week was the first week of september which is traditionally a pretty uh, a pretty bearish week and we had a pullback after a very strong month of august the markets yesterday or last week pulled back substantially there was about a you know, about a 3% pullback, but really the pullback has been led by international funds. So let's start with international stocks first, because I know a number of you out there have 401ks and IRAs, and you're wondering, you know, the market's going up. Why isn't my account going up as fast as everything else? And what I would say in that case is look to your international sector holdings. And if you're highly weighted in an international sector, then your your international stocks are probably bearing the brunt of of what's happening from a negative perspective because those international funds are the ones that that have the the highest sensitivity to frankly the the tariffs that president trump is uh, is enacting and when we look at the tariffs of president trump and i'm not i, I am in no way being political here right i uh, uh you know I would say that on this show, we probably lean slightly to the right, uh, but not completely. Right. There's certain some things that I don't necessarily agree with President Trump, especially when it comes to some of his rhetoric. Um, but I do agree with a, a large number of his policies. And if you're holding international funds, then you're taking a bit of a hit. And that's primarily due to the tariffs. Now, on Friday, President Trump sent out a tweet uh, and that tweet got the whole world up in arms. And specifically, uh, it was a tweet about Apple. So that tweet about Apple got got people a little bit concerned. And and as always, people overreacted. Right. I know that's I know that's really hard to believe when it comes to the president. Um, but people overreacted and freaked out. And uh and his uh, his his Friday um, tweet was something to the effect of, listen, a Apple's afraid of their, you know, Apple's going to have to pay higher prices. Well, if you don't want to pay higher prices, Apple, then just open some some factories here in the U.S. Matter of fact, the exact tweet says Apple prices may increase because of the massive tariffs we're imposing on China. But there's an easy solution where there would be zero tax and indeed a tax incentive. Make your products in the United States instead of China. Start building new plants now. Exciting. Hashtag make America great again. So now that got 27,000 retweets um, and another 28,000 comments uh, and 108,000 likes. That's pretty much the most he's gotten um, on anything in the last couple of weeks. And that's which means that it reached not only reached a lot of people, but a lot of people were were very, very moved by it. Um, now, let's talk about what he said. First of all, he said, if you don't want to pay higher taxes, then if you don't want to pay higher prices for your for Apple, then start petitioning Apple to open factories here in the U.S. So let's talk about this for a couple of minutes. So when we look at the, what the what the effect of tariffs have, will they raise the price of consumer goods? 
Yes, they will raise the price of consumer goods because let's just say theoretically that you impose a 20% tariff on goods coming into the U.S. And I'm just using 20% to make our numbers nice and round because I'm not very good at math. But uh, a, a product which normally would have been $100 to produce outside the U.S., which then once it comes into the U.S., after marketing and and uh, distribution and all of those things, let's say that your total cost of production is $165, right? I'm just making up a round number. Now, let's say that they sell that product for $265, right? So $100 is what it costs to produce overseas and to get it here and then call it another $65 in distribution and logistics and retail stores and all that kind of thing. And then they sell it for $265. That is a $100 profit. Okay. Now let's tack on a 20% tariff to the 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 production, if you will, and shipping it to the U.S. So now instead of costing $100 to ship to the U.S., it's going to cost $120. Now, your $65 that you spent or earlier in um, in you know retail stores and distribution and, and getting it to the consumer, that doesn't change. So your new cost is now 185. Well, if you continue to sell for 265, now you're only receiving a $20 profit. So your profit has gone down, excuse me, an $80 profit, you take that $20 loss. Your your profit has gone down by $20. So what do they do? Well, they raise the price to uh, you know from from what 265 to 285 and they pass the tariffs directly onto the consumer and that's what these companies are saying that they're going to do in order to um in order to really kind of push home the fact that we don't want to change our manufacturing outside of the US now president trump is saying listen you don't have to pay that extra 20 dollars per uh build your product in the US and then you don't have to pay logistics. You'll get you won't have to pay that additional tax. As a matter of fact, we'll actually give you a tax incentive for doing it here in the US. So remember that it cost $100 to make it internationally. Once we had the tariffs, it's 120. Here's the rub. And while on principle, I will say this, on principle I agree with President Trump's plan. I do. I definitely on principle agree with it. Um <clears throat> increase the tariffs in order to bring some of the balance of trade back into the U.S. and make your products here. And and and, and we will have uh, an economy where we're putting people to work and we're giving people jobs and they're good manufacturing jobs because this country never grew faster than it did when manufacturing was our was our staple, right? Uh, right now, if you look at the jobs that support our economy, they're almost all service-related jobs. They're, you know, when you think about the economy broken down between goods and services, right? You have core goods and, and core services. We are essentially a core services economy. We're an economy made up of experts in our fields uh, or a hospitality service serving others, the the goods portion of our economy, the ones that are actually making stuff, is a very small percentage. And President Trump is saying, "Listen, nothing nothing was was ever better than when our country was producing more stuff." Um, and 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 how do we do that? Well, we bring these these factories back into the U.S. Right. And while on the surface, I completely agree with that. Here's the problem, and here's the rub. Very few people 
are going to be willing to accept the wages that a company would need to pay in manufacturing in order to get the production cost to the same levels that they can do it in other countries. And there's the real rub. So what cost $100 to produce in China, in Taiwan, um, in Indonesia is going to cost $250 to produce here in the U.S., Our wages are just that much higher. Our expectation of wages are just that much higher. You know, President Trump has talked a lot about what's happening with NAFTA and how, you know, ever since NAFTA, we've seen a humongous shift in the balance of trade towards products being produced in Mexico versus in the U.S., Um, Now, we saw a little bit of a shift between products produced in in Canada versus the U.S., right? So pre-NAFTA, post-NAFTA, there was a little shift in the Canadian and U.S. trade, but there was a massive shift in the Mexican-U.S. trade. And the reason is very simple. Cost of labor. As Americans, we're the highest, essentially the highest paid workers in the world. Um, And and so we we have the highest cost of operations. And so what this creates is a couple of things. One, do do you want to take a job for, you know, $10 an hour making widgets? Most people that would take the job for $10 an hour making widgets wouldn't be able to afford the very products that they're producing, right? When, which is what's happening in most of the world. Most of the people that are working in these factories can't produce the products that, that they're making, right? They can't, they can't buy the products, excuse me, that they're making uh, because they don't, just, they, they don't get paid enough. So, yes, I completely agree with President Trump's um, concept, in reality, I don't think it can happen. And the reason I don't think it can happen is the is just the simple fact of the American wage and, and really where it goes. So what's the happy medium, right? What's the what's the place where where you can kind of come together? Well, you know, putting the tariffs on definitely has an effect, but is it enough of an effect that's going to cause them to to create and and build their factories in the U.S.? And the answer to that, in my mind, is no. I don't think it's going to be enough. You know, you think about, uh, you know, I'm from Pittsburgh, a place that they used to have tremendous amount of manufacturing and production, specifically in the steel industry. Pittsburgh coal is, you know, Pittsburgh was was a steel town because it had rivers uh, and it had coal and the coal would feed the coke plants and they would be able to move things up and down the barges on the rivers. Well, now those barges and rivers are still filled with coal, but they're filled with coal shipping the the coal down uh you know, out the Monre- out the Monongahela, down the Allegheny, into the Ohio, down to the Mississippi, into a big boat, and then that boat goes to Japan. Japan makes the steel. China makes the steel. That steel then gets back on a boat, comes right back, and then we buy it back. So our raw materials are sometimes being used to go elsewhere in order to produce the products, uh, just simply because they've they've. I mean, I hate to say it this way, but they've priced themselves out of a job. Um, many of the manufacturing. Uh, workers uh, commanded such high wages that they priced themselves right out of a job. And so, you know, and I could go on for forever on this. This is a, this is actually one of the things that drives me crazy. Um, So what's the solution? What's the solution? Well, frankly, outside of having one global currency where everybody's underneath the same umbrella, uh, there is no easy solution. There's no easy solution. Um, and that's really the idea of 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 having. I mean, that's really what's what scares uh, many countries about Bitcoin because Bitcoin could be uh, a global currency that everybody could use because it's decentralized. But 
Beyond that fact, what's the solution in order to fix this issue? I don't think that there is an easy solution. I like, frankly, I like the idea behind it. I think that President Trump has has a great plan. In my mind, it's just one of those plans, however, that's that's I don't want to say not well thought out because it's definitely well thought out. I mean, he, he knows exactly what he's doing, but at the very least, it stems conversation, right? And if there is a product that's close, that's on the border to, well, do we make it overseas or do we make it in the U.S.? It makes sense to make it in the U.S. And that's really the difference. Um, you know, people are lambasting him for this tweet on Apple. Uh, you know, Apple is uh, is is a is a humongous company and it takes them years in order to 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 get a plant opened and up and running. And now that they have one open and up and running, then why would they, you know, would they be able to shutter that and move it all back into the U.S.? I think that's going to be a little bit of a transition uh, and a little bit harder for them to do. And it's easier just to raise the money on the consumers. And what is something worth? Well, something is worth what someone is willing to pay. And at this point, Apple has shown that people are willing to pay whatever they whatever they charge. Right. Um, Look at what happened with the iPhone X. And I will tell you, I was one of them that bailed. I was not willing to pay the over $1,000 price tag for the iPhone X. Um, I bailed. I moved over to the Google. Uh, Google Pixel 2, actually. When my iPhone 6 or 7 or whatever the heck I had, the battery was just unusable. And so I switched. But I went to the Google because I, I wasn't willing to pay that high price. However, many, many people were. And Apple had once again, amazing profits uh, and amazing sales on its newest iPhone X. So Apple can continue to raise the price and consumers will continue to pay it. So, you know, when you look at what is something worth, something is worth what someone is willing to pay. And so as much as these tariffs are going to have an effect, they're not going to have an effect until people stop buying. Now, let's talk about when they stop buying. If we see these prices rise because of these tariffs, now these tariffs, it'll take a year for these prices to rise. Um, if we see these prices rise due to the tariffs, people stop buying. When people stop buying, production slows down. Production slows down, imports slow down. That's what signals a bear economy, right? That's what signals a bear economy. And so the Fed is 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 supposed to continue to raise rates. and. September the 26th is the next day for the interest rate hike. And we'll see if they do do the interest rate hike on September the 26th. Uh, I think we're expected to see about a quarter of a basis point. And so, you know, if they um, if they dial up rates rapidly, um, you know, then 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 people are going to panic. But the, the Fed could um, they, they could say, you know what, with all this tariffs and all this going on, we're, we're actually not going to raise the rates. And that could actually uh, help to kind of overheat it. There was a story in Market Watch, and it was published on uh, September the 9th. It says a stock market bear signal that's at a more than four decade high, says Goldman. So Goldman has a um, a bull bear market risk indicator, and it's the highest that it's been since the late 60s which is pretty high. Now, the last two times that it hit over 70% were 19, it looks like about 1998 uh, and 2006 uh, was the last two times it was over 70%. And now we're sitting at 75%. So this is a pretty high indication that they believe that there's a, that there's a bear market coming, but they're not out there. You know, I think the quote says, 
Uh, the, the, the quote says, uh, let me read the quote exactly. It says, we're not flying the flag here and saying there's going to be a deep bear market. Okay. So while they've got an, an indicator that says, hey, listen, this could, this could, all the things are lining up for a potential bear market. Um, he, they're not saying that the bear market is for sure going to come. And, and really what would happen is, is there going to be any new innovations? They, they're, they're tempering it with what happens in, um, in Fed interest rates all around the world, not just the U.S. monetary policy, but what happens in the EU, what happens with the Brexit, and then also with what happens in technology. Is there going to be another technology boom that that would that would change it? Because if you look at what the world markets have done, um, they've gone way, way up, especially since the 07, 08 crash. But if you look at the world without technology, it's basically flat since 08. Um, you know, the, the world minus tech stocks is basically flat because tech stocks have really been what's propelled our markets for the past, you know, 15 years. And, and as long as we continue to have innovation, then the markets will continue to move higher. So all in all, what does that mean for your portfolio? Right. Because that's what it comes down to is what does it mean for your portfolio? Well, in my mind, what it means is this. Number one. Um, we're still in a bullish market. There's no reason not to maintain your bullish position and your bullish stance. Number two, um, since you're in that bullish position and that bullish stance, maybe start to rotate out of some of the things that are dragging your portfolio down. Uh, in my mind, that right now would be international funds. So rotating out of some of those international funds could be, uh, could be something that's very beneficial. Number three, since you're looking at rotating out of those international funds, um, where can I move that? Well, right now, the best place to move that would be growth funds, S&P 500 uh, growth funds, S&P 400 mid cap growth funds. Those are something to look at to see if they fit your risk profile. Obviously, you've got to check your own risk profile. Um, this is not, con you know, not advice because you've got to check your own risk profile and your own uh, investment objectives before you do that and consult your, your financial professional. Um, and, and then, but look at, see, what are some of the options I have? Those of you that have a 401k, where are you allocated in that 401k? And might it be time to move some of that around? So, uh, if you've got questions on that, or you want somebody else to take a, a fresh look at your portfolio, uh, go to the website, iiefinancial.com. There's a contact us form, fill that out and we will reach out to you. And it'd be great to get a chance to talk to you about what your portfolio goals and objectives are. We may be able to help. We may not, but at the very least we can have a conversation and answer some questions for you. So hope you guys all have an amazing week and we will see you next week. Thanks everybody. IIE Financial is an investment advisor representative with Symphony Financial, a registered investment advisor. Charles Fulkerson is an investment advisor representative with IIE Financial and Symphony Financial, LTD Co. Annie Fulkerson is not registered nor affiliated with Symphony Financial. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Symphony Financial. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. IIE Financial does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance. Thank you for listening to Breadbox Media. Find more about us at breadboxmedia.com.